Hey Laker fans, welcome to the Late Late Show. I'm your host Matt from Lakers UK. As always, I've got Jonathan Kernan here alongside me. How, how are you doing, mate? All good, all good. Finally got my championship hat. Uh, I got left out in the last episode of two you guys were wearing the hat. But yeah, it's here to stay. It's very tight, but it's here to stay. <laughs> yeah, it's glad you finally got it and uh, it'll keep you quiet. We won't hear some of that moaning anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, we've got a special guest for you all. He's featured on the late show, the late late show, a few times before on the old format. Uh, he's a senior writer for Lakers Nation, a host of the Lakers Nation podcast. Uh, really does produce some of the best content out there. Uh, it's Mr. Trevor Lane. How how are you doing, Trevor? Thanks for jumping on again. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm I'm doing great. Still uh, just living in victory from that 17th NBA championship. But uh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no problem at all. And uh, it seems that the last time I spoke to you was. Earlier this year, uh, we were in lockdown. Uh, we've just gone back into lockdown again today. Uh, it seems like we've kind of moved backwards. How, how, yeah. How's everything over there? How, how are you keeping with the family? Um, so far, so good. You know, we're not in a lockdown right now, though I think a lot of people are kind of ignoring some of the numbers that, that we're seeing. Uh, who knows what's going to happen heading into, you know, election day here and everything. But it's... Um, yeah, I mean things aren't looking too promising with the numbers, but family's doing doing okay, fortunately. So um, we're gonna hope to to keep that going. Yeah, that's the main thing. So just I think we'll jump right in. Like obviously coming off the back of a championship run, what has it been like for you just covering the Lakers during this entire season? Like it's been an incredibly surreal season, obviously with the passing of Kobe and Gianna and obviously with the outbreak. Well, how's how's it been for you covering the season? Oh, it's been, I mean, certainly an unforgettable season. And like you mentioned, both for both for negative reasons with losing Kobe and, and Gigi, uh, I mean, the way the season started in China, um, those those are certainly things that we're going to that we're going to remember forever and stand out. Um, you know, I tweeted something last night about uh, a picture of, of LeBron uh, on that, that first game back after Kobe had passed away. He's got his arm uh, around Quinn Cook and KCP's there and they're crying. And I'm, it feels like it was yesterday. It's just it's still. Yeah, it breaks my heart to see it uh, still. But as far as the basketball goes, you know, I've said this a bunch. Uh, it, it finally felt this season felt like Lakers basketball again. I've been covering the team since, uh, gosh, I guess 2014 now. And so every season that I've covered the team professionally, uh, they've been bad <laughs> up until up until now. Finally, we're back to being a playoff team. And I grew up watching the Lakers and, and following Lakers basketball. And this is the first season that has felt like it's been the Lakers again. So there was a familiarity there for me, um, seeing the team be successful, seeing the way they played on the floor, the camaraderie, all of that. That was all just as we were we were saddened by by losing Kobe and losing Gianna. Um, we, that was so uplifting to see the way the team played this season. So certainly uh, a bittersweet year. Definitely. Did you celebrate safely or were you down in a, downtown LA for the celebrations? No, I was not. Um, I I stayed. I'm staying distanced and and all of that kind of stuff. So I wasn't in wasn't in uh, wasn't in L.A. for the big celebration or or anything. But uh, but I certainly you know kept up with it. Saw the people. It looked like everybody was having fun. I wish I well most people. I wish that we could. <laughs> um, I, I wish that we could do like like the parade or something like that right now. But um, you know, hopefully hopefully we'll we'll be able to um, at some point. Yeah, yeah, definitely when the time's right. We'd love to get over there as well. So it might be a delayed celebration, but I'm pretty sure we'll get a celebration nonetheless. Um, right, what we're going to do is we're going to bring on, uh, we're going to speak about two players that are 
kind of are in similar situations and have been throughout the season, although they are two very different players. But first, we're going to speak about Danny Green. Uh, he shot 36.7% from three throughout the season, uh, slightly above the 35.8% league average. Um, he did struggle in the playoffs where he shot uh, just 37, uh, sorry, 34.7% from the floor outright. Um, Trevor, what, what did you make of his season as a whole and his performances in the bubble? So I think that Danny Green had a, a disappointing season. I, I know probably it's probably wasn't as bad as Lakers fans make it out to be. There's a lot of fans that that are just not happy with Danny Green at all. And of course, a lot of people point to that game five miss in the in the NBA finals. Uh, but that was just that was just one shot. Um, but so much of Danny Green's value on the floor, like you mentioned, comes down to his three point shooting. And the season before for the Toronto Raptors, he had shot 46 percent from deep, which I mean, if we're being honest, that's not sustainable. But still, we were expecting something a little bit better than what he shot this season. We were hoping for 40-plus percent uh, because that's how you keep defenses honest. When you've got LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the floor, you prevent them from sucking too far into the paint by surrounding these guys with shooters. And the thought was Danny Green, he's this veteran. He's been in the league for so long. He's going to be able to knock down those shots. And we just didn't see enough of that from him I did think that he was fine on the defensive end of the floor um actually had a couple of big highlight reel blocks which you wouldn't expect to see out of him uh did a nice job dropping down to the paint defensively and and getting steals quick hands so he was good on that end of the floor but that's not not going to get nearly as much attention or jump out as much to to fans as you would on the offensive end and so because of his struggles there there's this very negative perception right now among Lakers fans of Danny Green. But while I thought his season wasn't great overall, I don't think it was quite as bad as it's being made out to be. Yeah, definitely. It seemed like the season started and he had that, he, he erupted for 28 points against mm -hmm. the Clippers. And we were kind of like, oh, look, Danny Green, welcome to LA. This is going to be fantastic. And he never really got that going, really. He had um, four 20 plus point games throughout the season, but he was very streaky really um what what do you kind of see for him in terms of his future what, what, what does he stay for that second year of his deal is he moved in a trade what, what do you kind of see happening to Danny Green yeah so um and I, I just talked about this last night on on my show this is great timing so Danny Green I think that there's two different Danny Green said that here that we're going to be talking about Danny Green and what his value is to the Lakers is going to be different than what his value is to a lot of other teams out there. He does have that $15 million contract. It is an expiring deal and that's going to matter to, to other teams, but he's a veteran. He's a guy who has been in big moments before and we can say, okay, he missed that shot in game five, but he's a guy that the Lakers know that they, they know what they're going to get out of him. Okay, he's a fairly in terms of on the defensive end of the floor. You know you're going to get a consistent performance out of him there, even if he is missing a few shots on the offensive end. You still have a, a pretty good sense of what he's going to provide for your overall team structure. And then if you're looking at trades around the NBA and you're trying to stack up contracts, having a 15 million dollar expiring deal can help quite a bit. He's not going to be the main piece that's going to provide value, though. There's not a lot of teams out there saying, gosh, we've got to get Danny Green for the player, particularly if you're a rebuilding team who's looking at Danny Green, who's into his 30s now. By the time your team is good, say say you want to work a deal for, I don't know, Buddy Heald of the Sacramento Kings. By the time the Kings are back to being good, Danny Green's gone. So he's not going to provide value to a team like that with his play on the floor. But his contract might provide value. So for the Lakers, if you're going to move him, 
you're putting something else with him. Maybe it's a Kyle Kuzma, maybe the 28th pick, something like that. His contract is still very valuable in a trade, but in terms of on-court value, he's probably just going to be valuable to the Lakers or perhaps another contending team, but you're probably not going to want to send him to another contending team because you don't want to help them. So it's a little bit of a tricky situation in terms of trading him, but like I said, I do think he still can return some value as long as he's packaged with some other pieces. Yeah, I think uh, myself, I'm a little bit torn, really. I kind of see the value in his contract to trade him, but then even though he wasn't necessarily playing well on the offensive end, he kind of brought it a little bit on the defensive end. And he just seemed to make the team click, didn't he, as a floor spacer, even if he necessarily wasn't playing well. His plus minus was always usually relatively high. Um, You know, his offensive defensive ratings were usually relatively high. It seemed like he just slips into the roster relatively well with the pieces that we have yeah and that's that's very true I mean if you were to say hey what who do you want to surround LeBron James with what type of player do you want around him it's Danny Green the things that he can do shoot the ball from outside defend at a high level doesn't need the ball in his hands a ton isn't going to complain about his touches he is the type of player that you would want around LeBron James. That's why the Lakers went after him so hard. As soon as they got the no from Kawhi Leonard last offseason, Danny Green was the first guy that they signed for that $15 million. And there's that's the reason for it, because he is that good fit. And that was – I knew going into this season that Danny Green was going to be perhaps my biggest challenge as a, as a basketball analyst was, was going to be explaining the value of Danny Green. Because if you look at his box score on a nightly basis – it's, it's never, well, I guess a few times he scored over 20 points. But otherwise, it's very rarely something that excites anyone. You see 9 to 11 points. You see a couple of rebounds. You might see a steal or something like that and a couple of threes, and that's about it. And just looking at the box score, you go, oh, this guy's not that good. But then when you go and you look at the bigger team structure and you look at what his plus minus is. You look at the team's offensive rating with him on the floor, the spacing he provides, the defensive rating with his intelligence out there, understanding where he needs to be on the floor at the right times. Those are things that add up that don't show up in the normal box score. So it's a challenge explaining the value of Danny Green and justifying it. Even if he didn't have as good of a season, even if people may say, oh, he's not worth that $15 million, he was better than people give him credit for because of all the other stuff. But that other stuff is a bit more intangible. It's not like you can point to a number and say, this is this is how good he is. So uh, Danny Green is, is a challenge, but I do think that he's he's the right kind of piece for the Lakers moving forward. I'm not just giving him away for nothing if I'm the Lakers mm-hmm. to sum it up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, it, show, it says a lot that with that shot up with the game on the line and giving the ball to Danny Green in that situation, it says a lot of what the likes of LeBron and AD and Frank Vogel think of Danny Green. Obviously, if the playoffs weren't his finest moment of his career. Like, he wasn't particularly effective in, in some instances, but was in defensively. But just it says an awful lot that they were willing to give him the ball and to kind of bet on Danny Green to hit that big shot because he's been in that position before and knocked down a shot. But yeah, completely agree with both of, with both of you were saying. That's a great point. Like, imagine that. So we're talking about one shot, right? Game five. Let's say, what if he makes that? Let's say he he's makes that, that one shot. How much does the gun. conversation around Danny he's Green legend. change right now? Oh, <laughs> the 15 million be like underselling it at this point. If he, mm-hmm. if he hit that shot and won, won the championships, not a single person, I don't think, not a single Laker fan would be saying anything about his contract anymore. That 15 million basically would be his bonus fee for winning us the championship. 
There'd, there'd be a statue outside Staples of him. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't go that far. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so another player in a similar situation is Kyle Kuzma. And Jonathan, you're going to ball with this one, aren't you? Yeah, Kuz is a tricky one. So, uh, yeah, Kuz was really highly criticised throughout the, throughout the season. Obviously, off his, off his rookie output, a lot of us expected of him. His sophomore season was a little bit better, but kind of not much to wear home, home about either. But yeah, he did really kind of bring it this season to a certain extent we were expecting from. Like we all thought there's going to be LeBron, AD, and Kuz being potentially the third star. But yeah, what, what are you thinking about in terms of his regular season output, his playoff output, and what he's, what's going to be like going forward for Kyle? It's kind of similar to Danny Green in that I think he was better than he gets credit for. I think the problem with that, that Kyle Kuzma ran into this season is so when when Kawhi said no last offseason, it instantly shifted to, okay, well, then it's Kyle Kuzma. He's got to step up and be that third guy now. Um, and then he got hurt during uh, during the summer with Team USA. He got hurt. And he didn't get a training camp, and it took him a little time to get going. And people expected him to be in a certain role. And this is something uh, Jared Dudley had said, uh, told me a few months ago, said Kyle Kuzma was the only guy on the team that we, the players and the coaching staff, had no idea what his role was going to be. Everybody else had an established role. But Kuzma's skill set is so versatile that they didn't know exactly how they were going to use him. And so Kuzma came in and they decided, okay, we're going to make you the score, the six-man score off the bench. LeBron goes to the bench. Kuzma's job is going to be to come in and score. And then we found out that's not really something he's great at. He can't do that consistently. And that caused a lot of frustration with him from Lakers fans, from, from the media. You saw all of that. He was very much a roller coaster this season. We saw him up and down. He would score 30 points one night and then four the next. And so that challenge is getting that consistency from him, but also you've got to be able to give him a consistent role. And if you want to go back far enough, you look at year one, year two, year three of Kyle Kuzma, his role, what his job was on the team changed every season. Every season he's had a different job. So I'm not, Kuzma underperformed based on where he can be in terms of his ceiling, but given all of the context, I don't think he was quite as bad as people think he was. Now, that doesn't mean that I think he's going to be with the team next season. I think that's going to be an interesting discussion when we we look at the trade market and then where he is in terms of his contract. But just in terms of his play on the floor, I think he was okay. Um, Maybe he was a little bit underwhelming, but not a terrible season out of him either. Yeah, I don't think his stats kind of reflect uh, his season whatsoever. Like, There's one area specifically that I think most Laker fans would agree is Kuz definitely stepped it up defensively. He looked so much more comfortable staying in front of some of the team's best players. Obviously, if you're looking at the box, his box score for the season, 12.8 points, 25 minutes, 4.5 rebounds, 31.6 from sent from three. You're not going to look at that and be like, wow, he's he's playing at his best. And he, for most of the season, he wasn't. But yeah, that the box scores definitely don't uh, reflect his level of play. And I think actually you kind of hit the nail on the head on the next question in terms of what do you think of uh, Kuz's future with Lakers? Do you think he's going to be potentially used as trade bait this coming off season? Do you think he's going to kind of double down on his efforts in terms of working out, get himself into the correct role for the Lakers? What, what do you think is Kuz's role next season, either on or off the Lakers? Yeah, I, I do think that if, 
we're going to hear a lot of trade packages involving Kyle Kuzma. And I think uh, you're going to hear that combo, Danny Green and Kuzma together as a package because he's only making a little over $3 million next season. So trying to get the salaries to the level they need to be in order to facilitate a trade is tough with just Kuzma, particularly if you're assuming you're going to ship him out and bring in somebody who's going to help you win right now. Most guys that are established in the NBA are going to be making more than that. So you're going to attach some things to Kyle Kuzma in order to build that salary up. Um, but as far as it, will he be with the team or not? So what the thing that I liked the most about Kyle Kuzma this season was his attitude, the way that he approached this, he saw his peers around the NBA guys that were similar of similar age to him, similar situation contract contract wise that are on bad teams, getting to put up big numbers and getting all the accolades that can come with that. Kyle Kuzma continued to say, I know my role is being diminished. I know I'm playing behind Anthony Davis, but I believe in the long run, it's going to make me a better player, even if my stats are dropping down because I'm now on, on this different team structure. I want to be able to win. And we know that Kuzma is up for an extension this offseason. So you have to wonder if we're at a point where it would be best for Kuzma to get moved somewhere else where he can showcase his talents, and that would allow him to get that next big contract and now i'm not i guess i don't want to assume that the lakers don't want to give him that deal but given where they're at right now and the cap room that they have freed up for the offseason of 2021 that would suggest that maybe they want to keep their cap sheet free and not put any big money out there so they can be players in free agency in 2021 now that may or may not be still their their plan at this point we'll find out in a few weeks if that's still what they intend to do but for kuzma contractually you might be in a situation where the Lakers decide he's probably not going to be part of our long-term future, at least not at the price tag of what we're going to have to pay him this offseason or next offseason. And so then they start to look a little bit more more uh, realistically at some trades. Yeah, I think um, one, because obviously you, you spoke to Jared Dudley, you did rewind him back a little bit. When you hear from people within the industry, like coaches, um, you know, at Lakers UK, we spoke to Phil Handy, we spoke to Mike Pemberthy, and we bought up um, Kuzma to them. And there's a lot of criticism from fans, but within, you know, behind closed doors, they're really high on Kuzma and his attitude. And, um, you know, you've got to appreciate that someone like of Anthony Davis's stature comes in and takes your starting place. You know, that isn't a normal player. And then all of a sudden, like Jonathan said, his minutes shot down to 25 minutes per game. I don't know what he was averaging before, but it was probably 30, 30 plus. Um, and then when you look into, um, you know, he scored 36 points uh, on the road, a uh, road win against OKC. And that was when Davis sat out. A lot of the, the main cast sat out. And when you actually look at his starting stats, you know, he started nine games and averaged 20.9 points. So I, I would like to think that they're when you look at trades, Danny Green brings the flexibility, the cap flexibility, but surely there must be some value in Kuzma, especially as not a young prospect, but, you know, a, a talented young player. Yeah, that's a, that's a great observation. I mean, when you look at what Kuzma did when Anthony Davis wasn't there, it was exactly what people were, were expecting of him, you know, 20 points and he would like eight boards, seven or eight boards, something like that. So he did exactly what we thought he would have done this season, but he just had to do it without Anthony Davis. And again, maybe that suggests that a trade is in is in order. We'll see. 
but he is a good young player. And all I've heard is positive things. Like you said, I've only heard good things about Kyle Kuzma, people talking about how hard he works, about how great his attitude is. Um, I really think there were that a lot of young players that are in his situation would not be happy, would not be pleased with the fact that they're going into their chance to really make money. He's had small contracts. Remember, he was the, what, 27th pick in the in the draft. So he hasn't gotten that big payday yet. And he's heading into an extension season. And he's saying, I'm good, taking the back seat. I'm good, playing a lesser role on the team in order to benefit everybody else. That is, that's not a normal thing to find. And so I think that's that's something that has to be acknowledged. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, just going to quickly break off for one moment just to quickly do some ads. Um, support for the Late Late Show is brought to you by Manscaped, who are, in the best, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Uh, they launched in the UK earlier this year. You can be one of the first men over here to experience their life-changing products. Uh, usually with grooming products myself, I usually bounce around, find it quite difficult to find the right thing that I can stick with long-term. Uh, the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 is perfect for the job. You don't really need anything else. Uh, it's a third-generation trimmer that features cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, obviously very important. Um, battery lasts up to 90 minutes. It's got quiet stroke technology. It's waterproof. You can use it in the shower as well. And it's even got an LED light, so you can see where you're going. Uh, it is a top-quality product. You don't really need to go anywhere else. Here on the Late Late Show, we can offer you a unique promo code. You can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code LakersUK20 at manscaped.com. That's the code LakersUK20 at checkout uh, for 20% off plus free shipping over at manscaped.com. Don't let your balls waste away in free agency. Secure that match contract with Manscaped. You won't regret it. <laughs> um, and also, you can get a discount over at NBA Store EU. We all want that Champions merch at the moment. Jonathan was representing the hat, or it still is representing the hat. Um, go and grab yourself a hat, go and grab yourself a t-shirt, whatever you want. Uh, head over to www.lakersuk.com forward slash partners. Select the relevant link. It'll direct you to the store where you can use the promo code LakersUK10 for 10% off your order. Uh, it can be used on already discounted items too. So have a little bit of a shop around, take advantage of that. That's LakersUK10 at checkout for 10% off your order. And as we continue on with the show, uh, we get into... The juicy part of it now. I'm quite looking forward to this, and it seems to be pretty much what Lakers Twitter is speaking about: free agency and trades. We're going to come at it from the side of trades, having spoken about Danny Green, Carl Kuzma. It just kind of kind of seems fitting to do that. So let's start with before we start throwing some names around. Um, the Lakers have quite an off season ahead. They have quite a few players on. On well, that we don't know if they're going to return. You know, they've got player options, so they hold the right to their own future. We've got KCP that opted out, Rondo that opted out. We don't really know what's happening elsewhere, really. Obviously, AD looks to be signing. Um, what do you think, Trevor, the priorities for the Lakers is this offseason? Um, you know, is it securing particular players that are already on the books? Is it looking elsewhere? to kind of add further depth for particular positions? what Where would you see the priorities for the Lakers being? 
So I think the priorities are going to be, and actually this is, this is again, great timing because I just wrote all about this for LakersNation.com. Um, the the priorities for the Lakers are going to be number one by far is bringing back Anthony Davis. And we have heard good news on that. Everything is, is pointing to him coming back. The only real question at this point is, is it going to be a two-year deal, three-year deal, four-year deal? What What's that going to look like? But sounds like Anthony Davis is coming back. So that's great. Hopefully we can just check that one off. From there, you're going to be looking at bringing back some of your own free agents. And you remember one of the the best parts about the Lakers this season, I mean, aside from having LeBron and AD, has been their team chemistry. So you want to make sure that you disrupt that as little as possible. So we're talking about Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who it probably is worth mentioning is a clutch sports client. Maybe that will be a factor. Uh, Rajon Rondo is another guy that they're they're going to want to bring back. Playoff Rondo turns out still exists. He was a great thing for them uh, during the the postseason. You got then. Did. That's right. I've got, I do. I've, it's in my closet right over there. I've got my playoff Rondo jersey. I think, uh, I think I might wear it for, uh, for Halloween. We'll walk around uh, and, uh, and, and rock the playoff Rondo jersey. But, uh, but yeah, I think that those are going to be the, the main priorities from them. And then, and then looking at Dwight Howard, of course, bringing him back if they can. But we're already hearing that like the Clippers are going to be after Rondo. We're hearing that the Warriors are going to be after Dwight Howard. So the question for the Lakers is going to be, not just can you bring your guys back, but what's the opportunity cost of doing so? If the Warriors offer Dwight $8 million a year, do you want to pay that, or would you rather use that money to go get somebody else on the market? Because there's going to be a lot of bigs out there. Would you rather give, if Rondo gets $10 million, right? Let's say he gets a full mid-level exception offer from the Clippers, and they give him, say, $10 million. Do you want to pay him that for 34, 35-year-old Rajon Rondo coming back, or you know, as much as we love him, or do you want to go and get other pieces? And that's going to be up for uh, up to Rob Palenka to make some decisions. And of course, LeBron and Anthony Davis will have a say as well. How much value do you place on bringing everybody back and the chemistry versus bang for your buck in, in terms of getting another free agent to come in? Because you know players are going to want to sign with the Lakers. But the question is, how much is it going to cost and what's the best path to putting a team together and that's you know they're they're celebrating a championship in the lakers front office but now they do have a real challenge in front of them to make sure that they can defend that championship this next season and uh we'll see what rob palenka does putting it all together yeah absolutely and kind of another big thing and it's actually focusing on a recent podcast episode you did um about you mentioned like a rumor that the lakers i think according to brian windhorse there's going to be uh, the Lakers are potentially interested in bringing in uh, a guard who is in the last year of his contract, who is played quite well this season. And uh, you mentioned a couple of names like Victor Oladipo, Dennis Schroeder, Derek Rose, and I think Kyle Lowry. I think was another player you mentioned. Mm-hmm. But yeah, going kind of kind of off, off the back of that, who do you think would be kind of the most realistic option for the Lakers at this point with the assets they have, and who do you think would be the best fit? out of all of these players that were mentioned. Um, so looking at all those guys that they that they could be targeting, and, and yeah, Windhorst said that there was a deal on the table for them or a deal available to them that they could go get. And he made it sound like like he was of the mindset that they were better off just bringing back their own players. But maybe this is something that is a fallback. Like let's say Rondo gets a big offer that you don't want to you don't want to match or you don't want to get close enough to where he'll say he'll stay and he decides he's going to leave. Um, maybe there's a deal out there that they could find that would bring in somebody else. And the guy I keep going back to is Derek Rose. And I know that's not as exciting of a name 
as say, I mean, even Victor Oladipo is is an exciting name. I'm hearing uh, a lot of Lakers fans bringing up Zach Levine's name, of course. Um, that's one that, that has come up a lot, not to say that the Bulls are trading him or anything like that, but uh, Bradley Beal is another popular name to go after, right? But even though Washington isn't trading him and that is never happening. But, uh, but Derek Rose appears to be the most likely, and a lot of that comes from the fact that the Lakers, we know, tried to trade for him at the trade deadline this past offseason. And it makes a lot of sense. Derrick Rose manufactures a lot of his points by driving to the basket. And the Lakers came in dead last in the NBA in drives to the basket. It was something that they just didn't do aside from LeBron James uh, because you've got shooters around him. So mm -hmm. Rose would give you that skill set that you need. He does come with some injury risk, and he's not a great shooter from the outside. But being that he's only making a little over $7 million, it makes it a little bit easier to work out a trade. Um, without disrupting too much of your of your roster. So if you're asking me who's the most likely, I think it's Derrick Rose. That might not, again, that might not be as exciting as some other players, you know, an older player on the last year of his deal. But I still think there is, there's something to that. It would be very easy for the Pistons and Lakers to reignite those discussions here in the offseason. Yeah. Absolutely. I think um, as well, obviously, we're looking at like the most realistic. Um, you know, we are Laker fans. We do like... Uh, star chasing we like mm -hmm. uh editing well photoshopping every possible player <laughs> in lakers jerseys um <laughs> obviously when you look at like the high end of um of of the trade market and you look at the likes of chris paul you look at the likes of drew holiday do you think the lakers have the necessary assets to be stay chasing them necessarily than players or but where do you kind of sit with them names so i think they can get there for chris paul i think some i mean of course it's going to depend on what the market develops like you know if uh we've heard milwaukee also connected to chris paul it's possible they they just offer more than the lakers i mean the the lakers main assets right now you're talking about kyle kuzma the 28th pick in the nba draft and we're hearing it's well it's not a very top heavy draft there is some depth there so maybe there's a little bit of value to that pick Alex Caruso, Taylor Horton Tucker, those are probably your, your best assets outside of LeBron and Anthony Davis, of course, those guys that you're just you're not moving. So the question is what what is it that's gonna get the gonna get the deal done? And if you're the Lakers, are you willing to move an Alex Caruso in order to go get Chris Paul? And of course, we know he's friends with with LeBron James. He also has a big contract making 40 million plus for this season and the following season. So he's got two years left on his deal. He's getting older. He's mid thirties now. So he's going to be more attainable because of all of those factors, the contract size, the age, all of that, than a younger player would be um, certainly, you know, Bradley Beal, that's that, that one's not happening. Um, when you're looking at, at some of these other guards that they could bring in, Paul does seem to be the most realistic of them simply because of, the, those factors, the age, I think that's going to lower his cost a bit. And Oklahoma City does appear to be on the verge of starting a rebuild. But again, his salary is so high, you would have to give up a lot, a lot of pieces in order to get him. I think Eric Pankis from Bleacher Report broke it down and did. Um, gosh, it was it was Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma, Avery Bradley, JaVale McGee. And that's assuming Bradley and McGee opt into their contracts and then Quinn Cook. Plus, you'd have to jettison the 28th pick as well just to get Chris Paul. So that's a lot. That's a lot of pieces, but um, that is somebody that they could that they could pursue on the market. Yeah, I think uh, you, you mentioned Buddy Heald earlier, and mm -hmm. who, who were you speaking about earlier, Jonathan? You had a, a name that I haven't heard. Around. Yeah, I, I, 
it's it's not an ideal fit with the Lakers, but with the need they probably have a kind of a secondary playmaker, I'd love to see someone like Ricky Rubio on the Lakers. I think he has the necessary kind of basketball IQ to kind of gain the respect of like the likes of LeBron and AD. He's a very capable defender and he's shown to be an improved three-point shooter the last season or so and decent defender. So yeah, uh, I'd I'd love to see Ruby on it. His contract is relatively kind of team-friendly. I think he's in around the 13 million mark. So it wouldn't cost an arm and a leg in terms of the, the same assets that go for a CP3 that it would take to get Rubio. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that Rubio would be a nice fit as well. I think that the challenge that you run into with the Phoenix Suns trading for Rubio or trading for Buddy Heald, and Buddy Heald's salary jumps up to $25 million next yeah. season, and then it goes for four years. So that's 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 a challenge there, right, for the, for the Kings, trying to meet, meet that salary and then realizing it's a four-year commitment, whereas a guy like Chris Paul is at least a two-year commitment. But the challenge, though, with, with the Kings and with the Suns is even if the Lakers – don't see them as their main rivals, right? The Lakers maybe see the Clippers as a rival, mostly see the Celtics as their rival. The Suns look at the Lakers as their mortal enemy and the, and the Kings are the same way. And so, you know, if you're doing a deal with those franchises, they are going to want top, top dollar to give that player to the Lakers. Otherwise they're going to rather send them somewhere else because they don't want that reaction from their fan base about doing a deal with, with the Lakers. So, it's not a huge fact, like it's not the deciding factor, but it's just something to kind of keep in mind when we're looking at these Western Conference opponents that view the Lakers as a rival. They will mm-hmm. be more reluctant to trade with the Lakers than another, like the Charlotte Hornets. They they probably don't care about trading with the Lakers. In fact, maybe Mitch Kupchak will help us out a little bit. I don't know who he can send, but uh, but they other teams, some teams will care more about trading with the Lakers than others. Definitely. Yeah, I think uh, we've got a few comments in here as well, which we'll get to. Obviously, Massimo has brought up Westbrook with a question mark. Uh, don't get Jonathan started on Westbrook. Uh, <laughs> we'll be here all night. Um, but we do actually have a question here. It's been quite prominent in the in the comments here from um, uh, Alanisco7. Uh, asks, who do, you, who do you think fits better with the Lakers? Uh, Dennis Schroeder from OKC or Kelly Oubre Jr. from the Suns? Uh, what, what would your answer to that be, be Trevor? Oh man, both of those guys would be would be great fits. Both of them younger, you know, that was something that Rob Polinka had talked about uh just about a week or so ago. Talked about finding another young player that they could add to Anthony Davis and give him somebody to kind of play with once LeBron James starts to slow down. I don't know that either one of those guys are that, but they both are are, are younger. They're both more towards the the prime part of their career or at least getting into that. Um, so I like the fit for both of them. Um, if I had to pick one, I don't recall Ubre's contract off the top of my head. Dennis Schroeder has 15 million left on his deal next season. If I had to pick one because of the lack of wing depth for the Lakers, I think I would go with with Ubre Jr. Um, but man, Dennis Schroeder had a great, great season. If they wound up with either of those guys, I would be thrilled. But I did think one of the weaknesses for this Lakers team was not a lot of wing depth in terms of three and D defenders, guys who had the size to defend a Kawhi Leonard, a Paul George, Giannis, players like that. And that's not to say Ubre is the best defender in the world, but he at least fits the physical profile. So I think I'm going to lean towards the wing player in this case rather than the guard. Yeah, I've just quickly checked. <clears throat> Rubio's on three million uh, next season. So in and around a similar amount to each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, have you got anything else you want to add on? Any names, Jonathan? Not, not, don't, not Westbrook, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, off the top of my head, not, not really. I just, 
I think that Yanis Antetokounmpo guy would be really good next year. Like that, he seems to be like a player that's on the come up. So yeah, maybe him in free agency next year potentially. But yeah, I say I think we say that for another day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think uh, one thing about this off season, which uh, which uh, we mentioned briefly on a previous pod, is uh, like the two way um, slots. Is uh, I think uh, Devontae Kaycott's on the second year of a uh, of his two way deal, so I assume that'll stay the same. Be nice to see him being utilized a little bit more this season. Uh, but with that second two way slot, um, Trevor, do you see Costas filling that second two way slot to kind of keep him in and around the building leading up to free agency in twenty twenty? I do think so. And I don't know for sure what's going to happen with Giannis. Um, I had uh, Keith Smith and I of, of Real GM and, and Yahoo. We do a show called the NBA Front Office Show. And we do that once a week. And so we were talking yesterday for that show. And uh, and he mentioned that he doesn't think Giannis is going to sign that, that Supermax deal this offseason, which is then going to make things really interesting all season because everybody's going to ask Giannis where he's going or if he's going anywhere. Uh, he could still wind up staying with, with Milwaukee. He could sign the Supermax. We don't know. But look at the way the Lakers got LeBron James, right? What did they do first? The season before, they got KCP. They brought in Contavious Caldwell-Pope. They opened up that line of communication with LeBron's agent, Rich Paul, because he's also the agent for KCP. And so getting KCP paved the way to LeBron. Was Costas Antetokounmpo a, a paving the way for Giannis? Maybe. I mean, it certainly doesn't hurt. But I, I do think that Costas has enough merit on his own as a player that you can justify keeping him on that two-way contract and then if he happens to you know spend the offseason telling his brother how great it is to win an nba championship with the lakers all the better yeah yeah definitely and um i think that's pretty much everything that we've uh we've got for you really i think uh we'll probably leave it there i really do appreciate you taking the time to come on trevor it really does mean a lot and i really do appreciate the time that you've given to us ever since we started really which believe it or not has been a few years you we've always been responding to dms and been willing to come on on the podcast i think this is maybe the third off off time so i yeah, really do appreciate it oh no problem always always happy to talk to talk lakers basketball and that's why that's why i do what i do because i i would talk lakers basketball all day every day which is uh so it's it's a lot of fun so i appreciate you having me on yeah yeah definitely and um before we shoot off, um, do you want to give a shout out to your socials and or any work that you've uh, you've got coming up? I mean, you're focusing a lot on YouTube nowadays, aren't you? Yeah, I am. So I'm doing uh, at least one, usually two YouTube videos per day on the Lakers that I'm putting out there on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, which has been getting a great response and I've been I've been thrilled with. So you guys can find that there. We also do our live streams right now. We're doing uh, our live show twice a week that we usually do them after games right now there's no games so we go uh, monday night and thursday night at nine o'clock pacific time so i'd have to figure out exactly what time that is and that is for you guys but we do we do that live show twice a week and you guys can come talk lakers basketball directly with with us and then you can find my written work over at lakersnation.com you can follow us at lakers nation on twitter and facebook at lakers nation official on instagram and anybody looking for me, you can follow me at Trevor underscore Lane on Twitter and then at Trevor Lane NBA on Instagram. Yeah, I think it works out being the early hours for us mm-hmm. over in Europe, but um, the show is available to watch back, whether you want the yes, visuals. I listen to it on the podcast on my way to work when I'm walking around, even when I'm doing the grocery shopping. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great listen. Uh, every single episode I'm on, it's a, 
it's an absolute necessity to, to get that in if you're a Lakers fan. Well, thank you. I, I, I definitely appreciate it. And yeah, the, the last show, which I did last night, uh, was just me. So you get an hour of just, of just me talking, talking Lakers. It was a lot of fun though, going back and forth with the fans. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, uh, well, uh, we've come to the end now. Really do appreciate you coming on once again. And, uh, you know, never, I mean, if you're willing to come back, we might, uh, see you again. Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime. Just let me know. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, Jonathan, do you, so let people, do you want to let people know where they can find you before we head out? Yeah. You can find me on Instagram and on, uh, Twitter at Jonathan K N B A J O N A T H A N K N B A. Yeah, and uh, thanks again both uh, for coming on for this episode. I do want to say a huge thanks to our Patreon members, Amandeep Fardy, both Jonathans, Benjamin, Massimo, Cole, Adam, Phil, and Steve. Your support is much appreciated. If you're interested in supporting Lakers UK whilst unlocking the full community, plus perks, visit www.patreon.com forward slash LA Lakers UK. And we'll leave it there. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to tell some of your Laker friends about it. You can find The Late Late Show on all major podcast platforms. Please follow, like, and share where possible and leave a review. Be sure to follow Lakers UK on Twitter and Instagram under LA Lakers UK. Check out our website, lakersuk.com. And we'll catch you next time, guys.